Welcome to Deep Focus, a radio show about movies and New Haven. I'm your host, Tom Breen. On today's review-only episode of the show, I'll be joined by the New Haven Independent's Alan Appel to talk about Chappaquiddick. Hey, and, Tom. Hey, Alan. It's great to have you back, or great to be back, or great to be back with you. Some combination I'm happy I'm happy is, is happening right now. Uh, but so, yes, the movie we're going to talk about today is John Curran's new dramatization uh, of the night of and the week after July 18th, 1969. Uh, which was a night, or I guess very early in the morning, uh, when U.S. Senator from Massachusetts Ted Kennedy, uh, the youngest of the four Kennedy brothers that so captivated the American political imagination and really popular cultural imagination in the 1960s, uh, drove his car, or his car was driven, off of a narrow bridge on the island of Chappaquiddick in Martha's Vineyard, uh, landing top first in about eight feet of water. He was able to escape the wreckage, but a young woman uh, who was in the car with him, Mary Jo Kopechny, a former aide to his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, who had been assassinated the previous year during his own presidential campaign, uh, she died in the accident. Now, if this were not enough, uh, Mr. Kennedy immediately told uh, his uh, his friends and closest advisors, but neglected to tell the police about the accident uh, and about the uh, death of Miss Kopechny a good, I think it was around nine or ten hours after the accident had occurred. This movie stars Jason Clark as, as Ted Kennedy, uh, as the uh, kind of sullenly and broodingly arrogant youngest of the Kennedy brothers, uh, in that night and in the week after as he's frantically trying to cobble together uh, the damage control team necessary, or at least that his father deems necessary, uh, to preserve his own political career, which would go on to be a pretty spectacular and long political career, much longer than any of his brothers. Right, but not but not uh, really as a presidential Never, person, which and, is a big part of the drama of the movie. And quite humiliatingly so, if that is an adverb, uh, I think at least for Kennedy in the context of this movie, uh, his own intense ambivalence about whether or not he wants to be president, uh, coupled by the impossibility of being president with this, uh, you know, very sordid tale uh, in his history uh, is something that the the movie really plays up. So, Alan, I'm actually I'm going to ask you. Um, we're going to take a kind of a historical sidestep into our review of this movie because I remember the very first movie that you and I reviewed on this program. It's called Best of Enemies. Back in the summer of 2015, this was a documentary about the rivalry between uh, pundits Gore Vidal and, and, and William Buckley, Buckley Jr. That's right. Uh, leading up to the uh, 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago, uh, when one of those two uh, called the other a fascist, the other called the other uh, some, uh, derogatory homosexual slur. I, I'm blanking on the specifics of the vocabulary, right. but it was kind of the, the beginning of the punditocracy that we are kind of awash in today uh, in most news, uh, TV news coverage. And you, you spoke about your own personal experience in Grant Park in Chicago during the 1968 protests. Uh, and I was so fascinated by your own uh, connection to the movies you were talking about. I wonder if you could take our listeners back to 1969. You mentioned before the show that, you know, Chappaquiddick may not be as seared in your own personal memory as something like uh, the Chicago Democratic Convention was. But um, when you hear the word Chappaquiddick, it's such a code word. It's like this shibboleth for political size as to, you know, whether it means this great tragedy or uh, like a witch hunt after, you know, a great Democratic politician. What does the word Chappaquiddick mean to you? 
Well, it's interesting you ask because uh, you know it, it. To me, it it means the bridge. It means the incident. But but I do wonder uh, if if you're unusual for your generation because uh, I'm I'm thinking of people in their 30s and 40s. If you say Chappaquiddick to them, uh, it 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 may not instantly um, evoke this incident that the that this uh, John Curran film is based on. But I'll tell you what was uh, in the department of. Um, uh, what historical moments are evoked for for me, and and the general question of um, of uh, truth or uh, or uh, stretching the truth in film, uh, which I think is an interesting question about this movie, um, especially for you as a full time running uh, around day and night reporter trying to get the facts, sir, and only the facts for the New Haven Independent. One of my big questions here, uh, as I was trying to uh, kind of sort through my own memories, um, is did this really happen at the same time that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon? Because one of the one of the most entertaining of the lines in the story is when is when the team of uh, uh, Kennedy fixers, to use a very current expression, comes together to try to put the best face on what uh, Ted Kennedy did. Uh, one of them says, uh, when the story begins to leak, I mean, the only thing that will keep this from being a headline for three weeks is if a man walks on the moon and lo and behold, the gods have provided it's a great line. Yeah. So apparently it was at the same time. And I have to answer your question specifically. I have a very vivid memory of, uh, you should know this as a fellow Columbia university person of being in a bar on 111th and Broadway uh, where they were giving away free beer in honor of uh, uh, the moon landing, which I thought was very appropriate. Um, the bar in 111th Street to watch um, Neil Armstrong walk down the ladder. Um, now, whether uh, Chappaquiddick was uh, going on at the same time or indeed, um, you know, backburnered or uh, it's certainly um, they benefited from this because I have I have no contemporary um, m- memory of, of that. Although when I did mention it to my wife, uh, she said uh, it was so creepy for for her. Uh, her recoll- I don't think she had specific recollections, but she remembered the feeling of the whole thing being so awful, the drowning, that she was not interested in joining me at the Bowtie uh, Cinema where we saw. <laughs> I saw it. So I think that you know part of it is that Chappaquiddick the word is so unforgettable. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound like a lot of words that I use on a day-to-day basis. And so it's one sure that it does. has kind of, it's, 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 it's the same I as mean, Connecticut. Or, or it's Connecticut. Connecticut. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, but perhaps, you know, I think that what, uh, you know, I, I think I was first introduced to the story of Chappaquiddick uh, during my like high school uh, years fascination with uh, the story of Woodward and Bernstein and Watergate and all the president's men and learning that, Part of the you know very intense uh, research that Nixon's uh, you know <laughs> very uh, shady bit of electioneering operators you know looked into uh, was digging up as much dirt as they could on Chappaquiddick because of a fear that Ted Kennedy was going to be the Democratic nominee in 1972. Uh, of course, he he did not run for president in 72, but I think it was introduced to me. Uh, as a young kind of aspiring or, you know, admiring journalist as a topic that uh, the like arch nemesis of liberals everywhere, Richard Nixon used to target uh, an upstanding democratic politician. Now this 
you know, of course, Ted Kennedy's legacy is a lot more complicated than that. And I think that this movie, uh, especially in the way we'll talk, you know, a little later on about how it ends, uh, I think quite cynically uh, in its description of the unreserved, you know, uninhibited support that people still had almost a, a blind faith that they had in the Kennedys as an American icon that they were willing to overlook uh, an act that, you know, it's, it's rare that, you know, we are, we are in a time, we are used to people at the highest levels of political office committing pretty sordid scandals. See the Stormy Daniels stuff with, with President Trump and his lawyer paying over $100,000 to quiet a, a porn star he had an affair with. But it's it's rare to have uh, someone ascending to that level of office who is implicated in the death of of someone quite directly. Uh, and I think that this movie is is quite searing in its again it's a dramatization, but quite searing in its criticism of what it sees as the well. Let's 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 go to that that uh, juxtaposition of the the moon landing and the the privilege and arrogance of the youngest Kennedy. Here we have all of the idealism, the progress, the, you know, scientific advancement of putting a man on the moon juxtaposed with, you know, a woman drowning in eight feet of water because a young privileged senator was was drunk. Did you did you find that juxtaposition in the movie did, did it did it provoke any contemplation in you about the legacy of the the Kennedys more broadly here a good fifty years after? Uh, well, well I, I think it suggests that people really want to have hope. People really want to believe in idealism. People want to believe in the kinds of things that uh, certainly Jack Kennedy sold me on back in 1960 with the Peace Corps and uh, his initial uh, commitment to go to the moon. Um, but 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 the movie. Uh, it, so I I think that's one of the most effective kind of um, uh, threads of juxtaposition that goes through the whole film. On the other hand, it really at its heart it's very cynical because it it really suggests that uh, you know the the uh, innate uh, idealism of human beings, notwithstanding, uh, that really needed to be nurtured along by a huge amount of fixers. I mean, to me, one of the very most dramatic moments in the movie is uh, uh, right after the, the first call that Ted makes, according to the movie. And I don't know how much is dramatic license here. This is one of the serious issues in, 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 in this whole genre. But it, I, I think that we should, you know, we talk about a, a lot of movies based on real We should talk about this, you know, how it makes us think about history, but the actual events portrayed in the movie, it's it's a movie. So I think there's only, there's only so many, this isn't a documentary. It isn't pertaining to... Especially well, the, the the night of Chappaquiddick, I think it's kind of impossible to know exactly what happened uh, on on that bridge. Well, it does. It <laughs> evades all the questions. Did he try to save her, or didn't he? The movie doesn't um, doesn't d- d- make that decision. What? Uh, but but um, what's really was was shocking to me is the and is this true? Even the very first call he made when he finally made calls uh, was not to the police, but was to his father. Joe Kennedy, played by a harrowing Bruce Dern. Uh, that was scary. He's not, so Joe Kennedy, the the uh, patriarch, is in the midst of recovering from a stroke, which, in fact, he does not recover from. He dies three or four months after uh, the Chappaquiddick incident. But the, it, 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 and because he's not able to talk, uh, Jason Clark, who plays wonderfully plays Ted Kennedy, leans into the phone, and all he hears is, huh, 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 alibi alibi the only word joe kennedy can say is don't tell the truth don't think about your integrity alibi and really the most powerful tension in the movie is this pressure on ted 
to to do anything, including coming up with alibis and manipulating the local police and the press in order to fulfill old Joe's dream of having an, another of his sons become president. That is scary as all get out. Is it true? Is there a dramatic license? I mean, you know, you say it's a movie, uh, but it made me actually think, for example, of um, the the genre and the and the film closest to it is is the Thirteen Days, where 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 uh, Ted does not appear, but it's about a JFK and RFK at the with the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, and there were liberties taken with that. There, there are many Kennedy people as well as conservative people who criticize this film we're talking about, uh, uh, the Kennedy. Um, uh, Kennedy supporters feel that the the film portrays uh, Ted at the end succumbing to the manipulation for the sake of um, of uh, uh, his future presidential run. Uh, on the other hand, um, I was reading in some review that uh, some of the Kennedy speechwriters say that's utterly untrue that he was tortured and haunted the rest of his life. Yeah, I so I don't know what's true and not, and it kind yeah. of you don't ask it while the movie's going on if it's effective, but it's, it really is worth asking about if somebody who has never heard of Chappaquiddick encounters it for the very first time in this film, they're going to get um, a slice of history that's um, questionable. Right. Well, yes, I agree that they're going to get a narrative presented unambiguously, whereas historically it is entirely i mean there's so many questions as to how this actually played out and this movie does not ex- does not explore you know what could have happened this you know it has a definite story that it's it's going it's it's telling and then it follows it through and and you know that's the that's the big challenge of uh of res- you know responding to uh and trying to understand dramatizations of you know based on true stories but i i do want to maybe pivot a bit more to the the cinema angle and and leave history as as represented by the movie to the side just for a second i think that one of the most effective cinematic moments in the movie for me that really played up the key theme of this kind of rashomon like plane with with truth and history are these two uh kind of tracking shots alongside the house that the Kennedy that Kennedy and his friends have rented in Champaquitic, describing the events through the windows of the different rooms. I don't know if you remember these moments, but the first time that we get to this house where, you know, Kennedy and his friends has you know, they've invited all of the boiler room girls, all of the young female secretaries who worked on Robert Kennedy's campaign. And we see through each window of the room, you know, they're they're drinking, they're dancing, they're smoking, they're partying, they're trying to corral different women into bed. It's like the, all of the carousing that we would expect from you know, of like the the hedonistic side of the Kennedy legend. And then when Ted Kennedy is telling that same story to the police for the first time, uh, you know, a good 10 hours later in the context of the movie, but maybe 45 minutes later in the movie that we're watching, we see that same shot, the camera pulling alongside the house, but instead inside each window, we see a very like docile dinner party and we see people like leaning back and laughing and people, you know, listening to music quite respectfully and contemplatively. And the way that Kennedy tries however haplessly to to take control over a story that is rapidly spinning out of his control i found a really you know that's something that i think movies can communicate really well how you know sometimes the people who think they are you know the more in control you think you are of a story the more frantically that you grasp 
uh, at trying to clamp down on whatever like narrative is quickly spilling through your fingers, uh, the more out of control it gets. And so the harder what, you push, the the more that the more that it flies. I thought the movie communicated that part of like the helplessness of this very arrogant character quite well. So so you're you're suggesting that the that tracking shot you described the the cinema technique uh it makes the, the it's implying or we're supposed to infer what that that this the that that from window to window to window there are things that uh uh we need to get control of is that the no uh, no, no, no i think so i think the, it's i think it's i'm not sure it's just one it's one uh in a movie that i found relatively uh uninteresting to look at for most of it it didn't you know it's it's it has fascinating characters a fascinating story but the way that you know whether this how this functions as a movie oh, the, ca- the camera is relatively static but the way it, right, that that right. particular technique communicates how this character is desperately trying to again take control of a narrative that he has quickly lost control of because he delayed and you know, telling the police well, because he has an right. inept team. Well, this is so interesting how, how how the director's uh, what do you call it, visual vocabulary means something to you, and it, may, it to me it meant something utterly different. I think I think uh, just as potent, but but those tracking shots and especially the ones preceding it, where we first get to see um, Edgerton and the the island with the marshes. Um, uh, the the camera is moving very very slowly to and it's isolated and then we see a house to me that evoked the uh, uh, the style of a horror movie it evoked to me the sense it, it was saying to me cinematically along with the quite spooky music that evil here lurks mm. that something is going to happen here uh uh that's quite contrary to everything you're seeing uh th- there's humanity inside the house and people are interacting in a kind of appropriate, if frisky ways, but there's evil lurking on the outside. Of course, what the evil is, is, um, is, uh, uh, the battle that Ted Kennedy has internally and with his father. And I think that, you know, as much as the foil character, uh, his cousin, Joseph Joe Gargan, Gargan. Joe Gargan, he, played no, by, by Ed Helms. Right. He's the good guy. He's, he's the good guy. And I found that, uh, I don't know. I found that str- I found the relationship between the 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 father and the son much more effective for me than the one the kind of moral pressure put on uh, by the good guy cousin. But there is one line that that character delivers that I found quite moving, which is that he tells he tells his cousin Ted Kennedy that this is not a moment for. Uh, like political opportunity, uh, this is a moment for like moral responsibility or something. It was I, f- I forget the the exact word that he uses to counterpoint opportunity, but it it shows so clearly how you know this Ted Kennedy has been tra- at least Ted Car- Kennedy the character in this movie has been so trained by that pressure put upon by his father that everything, every crisis, every you know happy moment, everything is an opportunity to advance your own political career. Yeah, it's quite terrible um, the way he's a, he's a prisoner of all that. And there, and to me, the very most revealing line uh, is, uh, I guess it's it's before the accident where he's on his knee basically in front of Mary Jo Kopechny. And, that, and there's a real kind of friendship there. or And he basically, she, she knows what he's struggling. She knows the family. She's worked for RFK as a secretary. And, he, and, and he, he basically says, I don't know who I am. She asks him, well, who are you? What should, oh, he's struggling with, should he run for president? And, and she asks him who, and he says, I just don't know who I am. He's basically a bundle of, um, of uh, forces that are competing against him. He wants to figure out who he is. Um, 
um, and uh, you, 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 there's really something quite uh, uh, beautifully uh, done about the uh, about the way they focus in on these um, uh, forces that are are within him, his uh, his own desire to try to discover himself. The incredible power of his father over him. I mean, even and, he even articulates that, right. that to his father when he says, uh, "Joe's Joe Senior, or the I'm sorry, Joe Junior was the favorite child. Uh, Jack Kennedy was the charming child. Robert right. Kennedy was the brilliant child. Right. And what what does that leave to me? I'm the one who gets in most trouble, right? And of course, you know, the great irony is that he is the one who has, you know, he winds up being what the the fourth longest serving senator in U.S. history. He does. Uh, he does a, find his a, way. A yeah. model of kind of bipartisan. Uh, political efficacy, especially now at a time when you know working across the aisle seems so um, so distant from possibility, he really seemed to embody during his actual political career an ability to get things done and to advocate for you know people with disabilities, to advocate for right. the Voting Rights Act. You know, quite an effective political career, and yet here he is at the very beginning of it, um, seeing no place for himself within the myth of. But you, but you could even make the case, and the, the movie doesn't make the case, but I think it makes a, quite a strong suggestion that there's something about Mary Jo Kopechny and his, whatever his relationship with her is. And here again, the movie kind of hides from, it doesn't say, it doesn't suggest that they had a sexual relationship, you know, even though Kennedy's married and he's got lots of kids. But it suggests there is a level of intimacy between them, and there's something about about that um, that plants itself in Kennedy. You could make the movie... Is, is making the suggestion that had it not been for Chappaquiddick, he might not have gone down the route that he took. He ran for president once, as if to say in 1980, he was, he was uh, you know, a kind of um, giving the last nod to his father. And after that, he said, screw it, I want to try to do some good in the world in my own way. Right, an obligatory presidential run. I think a lot of people think back yeah. on that as, and also, you know, he, I think, quite infamously could not come up with many good reasons for why he was running for president in 1980. That was one of the reasons why he failed against uh, the incumbent, um, to fail, to successfully uh, challenge Jimmy Carter. But we, we, we really should point out that, you know, with, uh, you know, I, I don't know, there's no point in trying to to go point by point, uh, get, getting back to what kind of departure this is from um, from reality, but or, or or not reality, but for from the events. But but I, I know, for example, in Thirteen Days, which was Kevin Costner uh, as um, as uh, Kenny O'Donnell, one of the Kennedy aides, who does not appear in this movie. Uh, that's sort of the Joe Gargan character here. But, uh, uh, you know, according to uh, McNamara and some other people who were very close, uh, Kenny O'Donnell in real life was basically in a secretarial role and was not the conscience um, uh, uh, of RFK and JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So so if you see that movie and, and you really want to know the history, you have to you have to open up a lot of books. Right. We're maybe confronted with the same thing here, although uh it's better, as you're suggesting, to treat this as fiction. And as fiction, you have a really Shakespearean struggle here with a guy like Kennedy trying to overcome, uh, you know, kind of terrible flaws within him. So let's go to the, the characters and the performances. But first, let me remind listeners that you're listening to Deep Focus on WNHHLP, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm your host, Tom Breen, and I'm uh, talking with the New Haven Independent's Alan Appel today about the new movie Chappaquiddick uh, by director John Curran uh, that retells, uh, it, that dramatizes the uh, story of Ted Kennedy's 
it's it's so difficult to say his car going off the bridge, but I guess that's what we have to say. Uh, most likely, he was the one driving and drove off the bridge, and a woman died because of it, and it spoiled his political career forever, and he did not. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, <laughs> but the, the movie did sort that out, because the first story put out was that right. uh, he wasn't driving, and, and then, then says, since the, the, it was going to be easy to find out, right. probably she couldn't drive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But uh, but so I th- I think we both uh, admired uh, Jason Clark's performance as Ted right. Kennedy. Uh, what what did you uh, what you like about it? Any particular scenes jump out when he's wearing the neck brace? I mean, I feel like he brought us kind of sullen arrogance and humor to this spoiled child who who wasn't just repugnant. You know, he's someone you could sympathize with. He's brooding, right? He's he's a young brooding man who doesn't really know what he wants, has a lot of responsibility put on him, and he has little impulse control. Well, first <laughs> of all, there's a remarkable likeness uh, to, to the see, real I, Ted Kennedy. See, not, I did not pick up on that. Maybe I just didn't look at enough old pictures of Ted Kennedy from his late 30s, but they look similar. He got heavy and puffy uh, as he got more successful and uh, potent in the Senate. But yeah, no, it, it's got the same, his face has the same dimensions and... Uh, you know, sometimes you're 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 bothered by whether they they've made the right right casting choice, uh, and whether they've got the right accent. He's Australian, I believe, a well-known Australian actor. Uh, Jason I thought his Clark. accent was pretty spot on. I thought it was really good. Yeah, the others were having some trub- trouble, and the register was going up and down. Do you remember Vaughn Meter? He was a he was a Massachusetts guy. He used to do these great Kennedy impersonations. Uh, there's a way you there's a way you can do that that both is uh, kind of uh, pays homage to it and makes fun of it at the same time. Mm. But this was different. This was low keyed. No, I thought that. Uh, uh, I mean, in this movie, uh, rises and falls on whether you want to spend time with this actor's face. Yeah. And I think he, um, I think he really does a good job at uh, at um, you know in many many visual close ups. Um, at conveying the, his torturous internal struggle, um, and, and the way he, he, you know, he and he swings from uh, let's cover it up to let's not cover it up, um, uh, and I I I think that um, uh, to me, uh, you know, those the, the 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 moments when he confronts. His team of fixers, which we should talk about, because that th- those are the elements that really are, as I think you indicated, are most resonant. But uh, you know, they're 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 very good. He can he 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 knows he's not as smart as they are, but he knows he's the he's he's the um, he's the prince and he's the bearer of the tradition. And they are uh, uh, McNamara, uh, Sorensen. They're all more brilliant than he is, but they are his. They are his team, and he, I love the way he goes around ordering everybody. To, you know, you do this, you cover up this, you talk talk to the police. I mean, he's really a. Um, uh, it's very regal the way he deals with that. But you know what's so what's so wonderful about the relationship <laughs> between the fixers and Kennedy is that yes, he's the prince, but no one in that room seems to have any respect for him, right? Because he is again the black sheep of the family. They know that they have to pay. They have well, they don't just have to pay homage to the family. They have a lot of respect. Uh, for again the idealism and political ambition and power well, uh, I, and inspiration of the Kennedys as a whole, but now they are they're stuck with the one who <laughs> did not go out 
you know, as the president, as the man running for president, as the one inspiring, you know, millions of Americans uh, to, re- you know, realize their best and most service-oriented selves. Instead, we have someone who uh, got drunk and, and drove a car off of a bridge, resulting in a woman's death, and now they have to spend as much of their, you know, intellectual and political capital covering for this dud of a child, and yet still he is a Kennedy and is able to win them over uh, with his... His, I don't know, fierceness, his indomitability. Well, he just is able to step into the role, and yeah. it's c- clearly he's acting the role when he, when, when after they've given him all this advice um, to do this and do that, he takes it all in, and then he says, "All right, gentlemen, what this requires is a great gesture." Uh, and then it's he who comes up with the idea of doing the address in front of the public, and so he comes up with that. So he. And they all say, well, maybe he is not so stupid after all. That's a great idea. Um, but definitely, but, the I'd say the funnest move, moments in the movie for me are the ones with the fixers, right? That's oh, when totally. maybe the best throwaway totally lines are fun. with, you know, yeah. something like the Bay of Pigs was right. better handled. Than this. There's, a, there, there's a great line. I just <laughs> jotted it down here and I found it. I could actually read my little notes. Um, the, the, I forget how uh, what the context is, but they're, they're all trying to, uh, you know, they all, they all say they need to preserve him as this great legislative leader like a Moses or something like that. And, and then one of the guys, maybe it's Joe Gargan, the, the close friend who's also sort of the, the fixer with the most integrity. He says, yeah, Teddy, but Moses didn't leave a girl at the bottom of the Red Sea. <laughs> uh, is, this, did, is there also a line, even Moses had a temper? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but yeah, that's certainly, you know, it's, it's an interesting and again, fun i think successful counterpoint with steven spielberg's the post which i believe we spoke about oh yeah uh, at the right. end of last year right. which is more of an exercise in hagiography of you know these great men of history and great women of history uh whereas this is uh the you know the backroom strategizing in chappaquiddick is anything but like laudatory it's people you know it's people being quite effective but putting their powers to somewhat uh Suspect, right? And, and if we and if we re- reflect on another recent movie we talked about, also with historical figures, it's the death of Stalin. We and, and we, mm. you know, it's it's all very curious as to why uh, a creative people uh, keep on going back to actual events to find entertainment and drama or veins uh, to mine, as opposed to making stuff up from whole cloth. There's something about. Uh, are trying to understand it better or to get closer to it, or I don't know what the impulse is to, uh, uh, to, to do like historical fiction as it were, as opposed to yeah. fiction. Well, to say a truism, I think that sometimes was it truth is stranger than fiction that, you know, the, the wildest thing that one can imagine has sometimes been superseded by what has, what has actually happened. And I think there's a certain, uh, there's a certain, effect that comes from watching people who actually existed to reading stories of, you know, people who, who actually, you know, were flesh and blood and not just products of the imagination and, and hearing about the, their, their struggles and, and their faults uh, and their, you know, moments of, you know, survival and overcoming. I think that there's just a, if ever to speculate a more kind of natural connection to someone who actually existed as opposed to um, so, someone uh, imagined by a creator, even though these figures are as much the products of the imagination of the directors. I mean, I don't, again, I don't credit this as a documentary or a history textbook. This right. is, but you it, know, it, dramatization. It, and if you look at it from a kind of writer's point of view, as I, as I do sometimes, it's in a way easier 
to deal with a, a, a character from history like Ted Kennedy or Stalin, because in many instances, you don't have to communicate uh, the ABCs of who this person yeah. is to an audience. Right. Instantly, you know 500 things about this person. Whereas if, you, if, if you're dealing with like King Lear, like who the hell is King Lear? You know, you have to explain who he is in order before you can get going with your story. So I can see why people are drawn to that. It, it, in in many ways, it's a it's a head start creatively. So we both use the word cynical in describing this movie at the beginning of our review, and I think maybe as we begin to wrap this up, uh, I want to return to that adjective because I think that again, the the Kennedys are all about hope, right? They're, this whole the whole family, the the very incredibly kind of memorable uh, kind of one-liners that one thinks of and that are recited over the course of this movie. The ask not what your country can do for you, what you can do for your country. Uh, the, you know, we go to the moon in this decade, not because it is difficult, but because it is hard, I think is one that is discussed at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, even Neil Armstrong's uh, One Small Step for Man, One Great Leap for Mankind is kind of under the umbrella of this type of pithy, you know, idealism and aspiration that the Kennedys inspire. And here we have a character and a movie that, that ends, I think ends quite confidently saying that this is a figure who, you know, if he didn't directly kill someone, he's quite responsible for her death. And yet he is able to use that, uh, you know, however much guilt he feels, he is able, he's not punished for it. And he's ultimately uh, given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity uh, to realize the political career that was, you know, laid out before him before birth because of his uh, because of his heritage. So I think that this is a uh, you know a movie about political privilege, and again that we're quite familiar with, considering how you know the current president kind of grew up with the silver spoon in his mouth, you know, That's having right. everything offered That's right. to him, and yet a very fit, you know different figure in that. Donald Trump is not out there advocating for people with disabilities, whereas Ted Kennedy, you know, got the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, right. I, th I think that's the point that we're 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 able to forgive people uh, who 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 need fixers in order to promote their. So cynical, images. still an appropriate adjective for this movie, if not Ted Kennedy's well, story more more broadly. Well, I, I if would, we can forgive, I would say I would say it's uh, you know CNN has a whole series on the Kennedys now, so I would say. It's a healthy antidote to the hagiography hey of the Kennedys, um, and whether that's the same thing as saying cynical, I don't know. But I know I think it's, uh, but I, uh, but you know, um, you know, I, I think Kennedy emerges as a lot of the Kennedys do, uh, maybe except for Joe, the the patriarch. These are these are people who are, um, you know, who who are, and I don't know. The more you learn about JFK, the also the more you learn that his feet of clay are are pretty huge. Uh, RFK uh, is probably the one who uh, is uh, the true prince, right. but that doesn't come through. Right. Although it, it, it is interesting that, uh, you know, obviously 1969 is a lot closer to 1968 than to 1963. Um, but I think that Ted Kennedy's story in the context of this movie is much more presented as in the shadow of RFK than in JFK. Um, oh, granted, sure. Yes, we do have the moon landing and we do have the connection between, you know, JFK's advocacy for the the space program and then the the fruition of it in 1969. But I mean, Mary Jo Kopechny was an aide to RFK, and Ted Kennedy calls him the brilliant one. He recognizes the near, you know, the seemingly successful presidential campaign he was running. It seems to be, RFK seems to be casting the most painful shadow, and of course, that's what uh, it was like. Ted Kennedy was, you know, 
as devastated as one can imagine. He was just completely hobbled by RFK's assassination uh, and somehow managed to, I don't know, <laughs> I guess first, first drive a car for Bridge, but then lead his own four-decade political career. Um, man, what a remarkable story. But, Alan... I appreciate it. So recommendation for Chapel Critic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's playing but, down. Uh, but it was everything else. You know, you have to you have to go to the library afterwards. Yeah. Uh, spoken like a true teacher <laughs> and author and writer. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you as always. Thank you very much, Tom. And you can catch Chapel Critic uh, definitely at the Criterion Cinema downtown New Haven. Uh, but also, I think it's got a pretty wide release. Uh, you can go to deepfocusradio.com for over nearly nearly three years of conversations about movies at New Haven uh, and we will catch up with you next week for another review of a new release. <laughs>